This morning, we're going to talk about healing, doing the works of Jesus. Turn with me to Mark chapter 16, starting with verse 18. We've probably all read that verse. Some of you know it by heart. So let's look at it together. Mark chapter 16. Starting in verse, well, let's start in verse 15. Oh, yeah, let's start verse 14. No, let's start verse, no, I'm just kidding. Verse 14, later, you know Jesus rose from the dead. Now he's appearing to the disciple. And he's telling them, later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Why? Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpent. And if they drink anything deadly or poisonous, it will not by any means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Right here, Jesus told the disciples, the 11, that all of these signs would follow the believers, those who believe. Amen. Now, let me ask you this question. We said that one who believes, a believer will speak with new tongues. Yes. How many of you speak with new tongues? Right. Amen. It says, these signs will follow those who believe, the believers. They will drink anything Hurtful or deadly, it will not hurt them. It also said that they will, they will cast out demons. Now let me tell you, all the demons are not all in India and Africa. We've got a lot of demons here in America. They're everywhere. Amen. These signs will follow. Casting out demons is not just, you know, Renard Bonke. Or Sister Audrey, if they are in Africa, no, no. It's every one of us. And it's a sign that is supposed to follow us. And then he also says that we lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. That is a sign that is supposed to follow the believers. Now, how many of you are a believer? How many of you are not going to raise your hand even if I want to give you a million dollars? Now, if you are a believer, that means that these signs should follow you. Amen. I mean, Jesus even said in John chapter 14, verse 12, he says, the same work that I do, Jesus is speaking, you shall also do an even greater work than this because, guys, you hear, I'm going back to the Father. And so right here, Jesus has told us that we, we should expect to do the exact same works that he did, which was teaching, preaching, healing the sick. Yes. These were the works of Jesus. Yes. And that is not just for the fivefold ministry. No. That's for the believers. Yes. You know, you remember even in Hebrew chapter 5, verse 12, Paul spoke to the believers and he told them, he said, from now you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers, but you're not. I have to get back and teach you the milk of the word. Which means that even as believers, we are called in some respect to teach, to preach. Maybe not behind the pulpit, but in the marketplace, at work, in the parking lot. We call to teach, to preach, and to heal. That is our ministry as a believer and that is what Jesus wants every one of us to do greater works than he did he wants us to do because he goes to the father 
And so we see here that healing the sick is a sign that should accompany every one of us. But here, let me see. Most of the time where I go, that sign is not following the believers. The majority of the believers may be speaking new tongues, like probably every one of you here. Maybe once in a while, you know, they'll eat something that is not good and it will not hurt them. Now, you know, it's amazing to me. I'm going to take a rabbit trail because... I'm amazed at the number of Christians that walk in fear. That do not take a hold of that promise. I remember when I was a, just a young uh, a missionary. And, and God had called me to go to India. And I was getting ready. You know, I had just come back from Albania. And I'm getting ready to go to India to live. And so every Christian, well, you know, intended Christian are telling me, you know, in India... You better, you know, the food is bad, the water is bad, it's contaminated, and this and that, and you need to buy this, you need some. And they gave me a list of stuff that I should get and prepare for before I went on the mission field. And like a, you know, good little, I said, okay, I went to Walmart with my little card, and here I'm taking this, just in case, the, and I'm taking this, or, and, oh, maybe I should get this, you know. And I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me, and he says, are you planning on getting sick? I'm like, no, Lord. He said, look in your cart. Yes, you are. He said, that you're walking in fear. You're accepting. He said, I've called you. You know, and so right there I understood that what you accept, you'll expect. And what you'll expect, you'll see it. So I said, what? I I, I know. So I put everything back on the shelf. And I stood on the word of the Lord and on that scripture that says, I am a believer. And no matter where I go, no matter what I do, whatever I eat, whatever I drink, what, and God knows what I've drank, drinking, I've, I've drunk, not drinking, whatever I drunk and ate, some of the stuff, not good. But you know what? I've, it, that, that was 1993. Wow. That's 22, 23 years ago. And I have gone in some, ooh, some places, drank some stuff, ate some stuff that, would, that could have, You know, make anybody sick to death. But you know what? I never, 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 never got sick. Why? Because that is a sign that will follow those who believe. And if you're a believer, you don't have to walk in fear. If you're a believer, you don't have to expect the worst. You can walk in that confidence, knowing that I can cast out demons, I can eat or drink anything deadly, and it will not hurt me. And of course, we walk in wisdom. If the the minute the Holy Ghost tells me don't eat that, then I won't eat it. Do you understand? We don't walk in craziness. We are walking, listening to the Holy Ghost. But we can, whatever he tells us to do, whatever he tells us to go, whatever's going on, we got to learn to walk in those promises. And expecting those promises to work in our life. Because I'm a believer. I'm going to speak in tongues. I'm going to cast that devil. Whatever I eat, whatever I drink, I'm not afraid that it will do me any wrong. It's going to do me good. But then also, I'm going to lay hands on the sick. And that sign should follow me. But here it is. If... Those signs don't follow you. If the sick people are not getting healed, you know what that means to me? That you're not believing right. Because he says, these signs will follow those who believe. So if they're not following you, it means that somewhere your believer is not right. You're not believing the right thing. And you see, so many times, we, what, what, what do we do? We're asking God for more power. We're asking God for more anointing. We're asking God for something more. When in right, what Jesus is telling us is, if you believe the right thing, if you believe the right thing, those that you don't have to make them up, you don't have to work them out, you just, they will follow you. So if they're not following you, it means the believer is not believing right. Now, you, you know the scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 that says that God 
wants to do abundantly, exceedingly, above all that we ask or think or imagine. And most people stop there. But it doesn't stop there. The next verse says, according or in proportion to the power that worked in us. Now here is the question. How the power, how is that power going to work in us? How do we get that power to work in us? Here is one truth number one. Is that if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, the power is in you. It's not out there in the atmosphere. That power is in you. Roman 8, 11 says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. How much power is that? That's a whole lot of power. That same power, not a second grade power, not a portion of the power, not a, no, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And so, we find out that that power is in us. But how do we avail to that power? How do we get that power to work in us? Most people, what they do, they're asking God, if they pray for somebody and it doesn't happen, they think, I don't have enough power. I need more anointing. So they ask God for more anointing. No, 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 no. We find out here is that the signs will follow those who believe. And here it, the key is if the power is not being released in your life and if you're not seeing those signs and the people getting healed, it's because you're not believing right. And if you're not believing right, here it says in Ephesians 3.20 that God will do abundantly, exceedingly about all that you ask or think according to the power that work in us. But you know, you go to the next chapter in Ephesians Chapter 4, verse 18, I believe it is. It says that the people do not... Let me go and look at it. I don't want to butcher it. Ephesians, chapter 4. Verse 18. Oh, we have it right here. I didn't even see that. Having the understanding doctrine... That means your understanding, your mind is being clogged, darkened, being alienated from the life of God. What is the life of God? It's that resurrection power that rose Jesus from the dead is the spirit of life. And here it says that people do not, are separated or not availing to the life of God or the spirit of resurrection because of the ignorance, because their understanding is darkened because of the ignorance that is in them. Let, let, me, let me show you. Fred, come here just a second. And I need somebody else. Glenn, can I borrow you for a second? Let me show you exactly what I mean. We're talking about laying hands on the sick. And here Jesus said those same signs will follow you if you believe right. Why? Because when you are born again, all of us, I'm sure in this church you know and you've heard that you are first of all a spirit. You are a spirit and you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions. And you live in a body. Now, when Jesus commands us to lay hands on the sick, which part of you is laying hands or making contact with the sick? Which part of you is touching the sick? Your body. Yeah, it's not a trick question. Your hand is attached to your body, is it not? It's your body who is touching the sick. Go and lay hands on the sick, Fred. Just stay here. Go okay. like this. Uh-huh. Okay. But here is the thing. It says that we are a spirit. We have a soul in a body. And we are called to lay hands on the sick, which is part of our body. But where is the life of God? Where is the power of God? Is it in your soul? Is it in your body? No. No, it is in your spirit. Romans eight eleven. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, your spirit. Because it's your spirit who is a new creation. It is your spirit that is created identical to Jesus. But so here is your spirit. 
And here is the resurrection, the life of God in your spirit. But here it's your hand laying hand on the sick. And what is in between the two? Your soul, your mind, your emotion. And what happened? You said, okay, I'm going to lay hands on the sick. And I'm going to lay hands on the sick. But the power is right here. But here is the problem. If your thinking is darkened, your understanding is darkened. If there is ignorance of the word and the will of God in your soul, what will it happen? What is going to happen? It's like having a tap that's going to be closed. You know, like a tap of water. If you want water, you open open the faucet Mm -hmm. or you close it. Ignorance. A dark understanding, not understanding rightly, not seeing according to the word, not understanding according to the word, not seeing. And ignorance will close the tap, close the valve. And what happened? The power is there. But it goes. It's ready. It's short circuit because of ignorance. Because of a dark understanding. Because your mind is shutting down the power that is in you. So you lay hands on the sick. And that power keeps on going. And cannot go because of a darkness of understanding. Because of a ignorance in you. And you see, the wrong believing is what will cause the power. The wrong thinking, wrong believing is what's going to cause the power to not go into your body, your hand, into the body of a sick person. Thank you, guys. So what does this mean? You see, instead of asking God for more power, we need to start changing our believing, changing our thinking, changing. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. I'd like, I'm just going to pour out my heart. I'm just going to talk about this. What are the things that are going to stop at the wrong thinking or some ignorance, or things that will stop or shut down the valve, close down the tap, cause the power from not going into and pass through our body into the sick people. What are some of the things? You know, one of the first things that I know is that for years, I mean, I was in the ministry, loved God, believed that healing was always the will of God, but... For some reason, I would lay hands on the sick and I would not see anything. Or maybe once in a while by accident. And I would be wondering, well, what did I do this time that it worked? Kind of trying to double guess. And I realized and I I just went, you know, ask God. I say, God, you're going to have to show me. Because I know that it's not, if, if I'm not seeing people getting healed, it's not your mistake. It's not you. But it's something here that I'm not seeing, that I'm not understanding. Show me, Lord. And you know what? The Lord started to, like an onion, unpeel things. And I started to see and understand. And one of the first things that I changed, that I had to change, is, you know, I sat under a man of God who had a vision from God. Jesus appeared to him. And put his finger in his hand and told him, I've called you to, to the uh, healing ministry. And, you know, he put his finger in, in that man's hand and he told him, now nah, I've called you. You're going to go. I give you a special anointing. And that man had a powerful ministry. But, you know, I sat under that constantly. And you know what? Somehow in my little brain, what I heard and understood yeah. is that in the back of my head somewhere... You know, if you had asked me, I probably would have said, well, I'm not sure. But deep down in the back of my head, I thought that I needed a special anointing. If I wanted to see miracles, if I wanted, and I'm thinking, I'm not an evangelist. You know, I don't have a special anointing. You know, all those things I got, I haven't had Jesus appear to me. So therefore, without realizing it, I was disqualifying myself. I was kind of not expecting I would pray for the sick because I knew that's what Jesus told me. But my expector was lower. And you cannot, you know, uh, 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 you cannot see what you don't expect. Until I saw a man of God who from the pulpit said, I don't have a special anointing. I just have the Holy Ghost in me like you do. And I saw more miracles in that man's life. 
And all of a sudden, I saw something. And I'm like, wait a second. If that man doesn't have a special anointing, and yet the blind see, the deaf hear, people get healed right and left, then if God is doing that through him without a special anointing, just with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. So God can do it through me. What? And you see what happened? Once I started to make that little adjustment, get my, the ignorance out of my head, let my understanding be enlightened a little more. All of a sudden, what happened? It's like I opened that valve. And all of a sudden, the power started to flow. And I started to see healings and miracles. But you know, it doesn't stop there. We've got to keep on pursuing. We've got to keep on going after it like a bulldog after a bone. Because how many of you know we're going from revelation to revelation, from faith to faith? You and I. Amen. And so I started to to look and understand why are the things, you know, to do and see the heal, heal. I understood one thing, that God is not so much interested in signs and wonders. Is interested in us loving people. And you know, that is what I did to make also that adjustment. And I understood it was not just about, because if I'm after the signs and wonders, somehow my motive can get a little messed up. But if I go after love and to love people, then the Bible says the love never fails. And here is the key. Even if I pray for the sick because I want to show them the love of God. You know what I found out? That healing the sick is God loves language. Yes, it is. It is God's love language. You know how Jesus walked? You know what he did? He wanted to love people all the time. And in order to show people that the Father loved them, you know what he did? He healed. And he didn't just heal one and two and heal once in a while. We find, I don't know how many scriptures... That is that Jesus healed them all. There was not one person that Jesus ever rejected. There wasn't one person that Jesus told them, well, it's not your day today. No, no, no. Uh, We found out that Jesus healed every person. And so, you know, that's the thing that I had to have settled in my heart. And I know in this church, it's a Faith church. So I believe that this is settled already in your heart. That healing is always, 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 always the will of God. There is not one moment, one time, one example, one instance where the healing might not be the will of God. And so that means that we got to base our theology. Not to our experience. Adapt our theology to our experience. Or the experience of somebody else. What do I mean by that? That if you prayed for healing and it didn't happen, if you pray for somebody to be healed and they didn't get healed, I'm not going to change my theology because of that. No, no, no. My theology is going to be based upon what Jesus did. And Jesus always, always, always healed everybody. All the time. And that, once I had this settled in my heart, that I knew, that I knew, that even when I pray for the sick, and if I don't see them healed, that does not change the fact that healing is always the will of the Father. Because God always, always wants to heal everybody. He wants to heal everybody. And once, you see, we've got to have that so settled into our heart to know That it is always, always. And so, if it is always, always, always the will of God to heal everybody, that means that I don't have to wait for the proper moment. I don't have to wait for the right place. I don't have to wait for the right person. That means that I can step out boldly to lay hands on anybody, anywhere, anytime. And let me say something to you that is so awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still, as I'm talking, I'm still discovering more and more about that. Because I've made my mind that I'm going to go after it like a bulldog after a bone. And I found out that so many times, you, you know what we've done? We've limited the laying on of hands right here in the church. And we cannot do a little, I bless, I scratch your back, you scratch my back. I lay hands on you, then, no, no, no. You know, I found that because healing 
It's so much the, God's love language that God wants us. And you see, those, the, the, it's really not the laying on of hands. Now, don't take me wrong. We can lay hands on the sick in the church, and we should. But it's mostly to take outside. These gifts, and let me tell you, if you find the greatest sinner, you, find, you can find the greatest sinner, and you tell them and say, you know, do you need any prayer? You know, can I pray for you? And you see somebody with a crutch in Walmart? Why don't you dare and stop them and say, you know, God loves you. He wants to heal you right now. Would you let me pray for you? Let me tell you, when we start stepping like this, boldly, that's when we're going to start seeing things. And it takes, you know, and here is something else that I've discovered, is that it's going to take us killing to our, dying to ourselves. Because self-preservation is our greatest enemy. And I'm preaching to myself as I'm talking. You know, when you start laying hand on the sick, the big, and what if they don't get healed? And what if they don't? Yeah, and what if they, and, and, and all of a sudden again, what are people going to think? You know, or even anywhere, we, we are trying to preserve our reputation, our image, or, you know, we are trying, we, all those barriers that stop us, you know, from doing what Jesus has called us to do. But you know, here is that we've got to learn to step out of that. And when you hear the voice that tries to keep you, to hold you back and make you afraid to go and talk to a perfect stranger and tell them, can I pray for you? Because Jesus wants to heal you right now. Remember, healing is there is not a place, there is not a time, there is not a right person for healing. It's anywhere, anytime for anybody. And once we, we are willing to be obedient to that and step out and, you know, and start doing it, that's when we're going to start things happening. And we've got to learn and, you know, to kill our self-preservation. Because the Bible has told us that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who has got to live through me and in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died for me and gave himself up for me. And I've got to learn, I'm, like I'm saying, I'm preaching to myself. I have got to learn to be so, to stop being so worried about the big I yes. and start being worried about the big J. Right. Yes. Amen. To do his will, to do, to, 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 to do his work, yes. to be Jesus to the world. Yes. Anywhere we are. And you know, that's the number one thing, loving people, loving, so loving people that even, you know, if they don't get healed, well, you have not failed because they have been touched the love of God through you. You know, the devil might tell you, well, you failed, they didn't get healed. No, 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 I didn't fail because I loved on those people. I cared enough to love them. To step out of my comfort zone and love them and smile to them and, you know, love on them, then that can never fail. Whole glory to God. And so God has called us to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so here are a few things I have learned on how to lay hands on the sick. Because most people, when they pray for the sick, you know what I hear people pray, you know what they do. They'll go and they'll say, Oh God, heal my, my, my brother, or heal so and so. Oh God, please heal them. This is not what Jesus told us to do. Jesus never told us to pray for the sick. Yeah. Why? It's silent in this church this morning. <laughs> Jesus never told her because you see, to pray for the sick, you know what that means? That we are asking God to do something, to heal that person. When in reality, you know what Jesus has commanded us to do? Number one, he told, he told the disciples, go and heal the sick. Yeah. Yeah. To go and heal the sick and pray for the sick are two different things. To go and pray and, and heal the sick, you know what it means? It means to go and exercise the authority that God has given you. Which means that you don't talk to God about the sickness. No, you are talking to the sickness about God. You say, sickness, you go in Jesus' name. 
cancer, I curse you in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. And so that's the first thing that we've got to learn to do, to lay hands on the sick. It's number one, you have been given authority. You have been given all authority over all the power of the enemy. All of it. Because this is what Jesus said before he left. He said, whatever you bind here on earth will be bound in the spirit realm. You know, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principality, powers of darkness on the high places. So when we bind down here on earth, right there in that spirit realm, bam, it's bound. And Jesus says, whatever you lose right here on the earth, right there, those principality, power, and and, and will be bound. Glory to God. So we've got to learn to exercise our authority in the name of Jesus. And then another thing that I've learned, you know, is that so many people I see, you know, we know it is not us who are doing anything. All, all God has asked us to do is use our hand. Take our hand, put it on the sick, and speak to the sickness. It is not how long you pray, how loud you pray, what you, you know, what you say, you know, or how you do it. You know, we are all about wanting to find, you know, five steps to this and formula to, no, no, no. Because here is the danger. If we start ta- stepping into that, okay, how do I do? Step one, two, three, four, five, and I need to do this. You know what we enter? We start entering into works. We start getting into our own efforts and we all of a sudden think that God is going to heal the sick because I've prayed the right prayer. I prayed long enough. I, my voice was loud enough. I did this or I put this or I did. All of a sudden we put the weight of the healing back onto us. When, and that is the greatest enemy. Because the moment we enter into works, Grace is canceled. And when grace is canceled, the power cannot flow. So my advice to you, when you start praying for the sick, pray the shortest prayer you can. God, heal them. Healing, be healed in Jesus' name. I remember when I was years ago, you know, and, and, and I remember having such a heavy headache. You know, and all day long, I mean, I'm like, I'm praying, I'm, you know, speaking to it, I'm laying hands on myself, I'm, I'm doing everything I know to do. And at the end of the day, I mean, at the time, I was teaching little kids in church. And at the end of the day, I mean, I'm preparing to go to my, you know, my children class. And, and I heard the Holy Ghost, and I said, Lord, I have that headache, that migraine, why is it not going? And I heard the Holy Ghost says, have a kid lay hands on you tonight. I mean, a little bit of my pride got kind of bruised. <laughs> thinking, having a kid? But Lord, how could they, what could they do better than I did? Uh-uh, did you hear what I just said? You see, my emphasis was on what I did. And Lord was teaching me a lesson. So I said, okay, I went to church. And there was a little Sarah, four years old. Cute as could be, blonde little curls. And I knew she was, you know, she, she loved Jesus. So I went to little Sarah and said, Sarah, would you pray for Miss Audrey? You know what she did? She said, okay. Be healed, Jesus' name. That was it. And I'm thinking, the heavens didn't open. I didn't feel anything. No, but within a few minutes, the headache was totally gone. And you see, God was teaching me that we've got to be so simple, stay simple, that when we lay hands on the sick, we command, we exercise authority in Jesus' name because he told us to do that. But it's not about what we've got to do that it's going to, in another word, force God's hand to act and do. No, 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 no. It's all by the grace of God through faith. That means that, you know, my faith is simply believing God, I'm going to do what you tell me to do, which is lay my hands on the sick and command the body to be well, speak to the pain or sickness to go. That's, that's all you told me to do. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do that. The rest, you do it. And it's in that place where we know our faith is not in what we do, but our faith in, is all of a sudden in what Jesus did and does. 
And you stay so simple. That's why when I find and I pray for the sick, and all of a sudden I find myself starting getting into the striving, I've got to stop. Because I know I'm getting into works. And if I'm getting into works, it's it's not going to work. So I, I, I keep it as simple. Be healed in Jesus' name. Pain go in Jesus' name. So I know at that moment it's nothing that I done or I do, but it's what Jesus is just wanting to do and what he has done. That is where my faith has got to be on. And you see, so many people sometimes, they think, well, if I have the anointing, then I should feel something. You know, if I lay my hands on the sick, you know, I've got to feel something. And you know, and I'm going to feel... You know, the power. And we all want to feel the anointing before we go and lay hands on the sick. It doesn't, let me say that. It does not take any faith for us to lay hands on the sick when we feel the anointing. I'm going to say it again. Some of you, I think it went right there. It does not take any faith for us to lay hands on the sick when we feel the anointing. You know, the greatest miracle that I have seen and, 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 and witnessed in my ministry is when I didn't feel squat of the anointing. When I didn't feel any... You know why? Because then I didn't go by feeling, I went by faith. And faith pleases God. Now let me, let me tell you, because you say, well, Audrey, I don't know about that. Let me show you an example. Perfect example. How many of you remember when Jesus preached, preached his first sermon in Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 8? He was in the synagogue. And what did he say? He said, the anointing of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To set at liberty the captives. To open the, the eyes of the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable or the year of grace. Now, question, when Jesus stood in the, in the synagogue and he said, the anointing of the Lord is upon me, do you believe the anointing was there present? Yes, yes or no? Yes. Do you know actually that the word Christ was not Jesus' last name? It was not Mary and Joseph Christ. Christ... Christ was actually meant the anointed one and the anointing. And Jesus Christ, the anointed one and the anointing stood in the synagogue and said, Guys, the anointing is right here. And he has anointed me right now to heal you, to set you free, to do whatever it is that needs to be done. Question, did the people feel anything? Did anybody whoop, fall under the power? Did anybody have a goosebumps? No. Did they see a Shekinah glory? No. Was there any kind of physical manifestation? No. None. Zero. But yet the anointing was there. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to ever get any more anointing than what Jesus was carrying. That's exactly right. And yet nobody saw anything. Nobody felt anything. And you know how I know that? Because five minutes later, two verses later, they say that they wanted to take him by the collar and throw him off the cliff. Do you think that they would have wanted to kill him or to kill the anointing? If they had been aware that that anointing was right there present and available to heal everybody, do you think they would have wanted to kill it? No. No. But that, you know what that shows me? That the anointing was there. It was present. It was ready to do whatever. And nobody felt or saw anything. Which to me, it gives me great hope. Because all you see... I know, like Pastor Simon said, the power, the anointing of God is in me. And I know it's right there available to go. And if I'm thinking, if I know that I know that healing is always the will of God, God always want to heal everybody, anywhere, anyhow. And then I know that God wants to use every one of us because we are believers. Then by faith... I'll go and lay hands on the sick. Tell them that God loves them and wants them well. And I can, even if I don't feel anything, 
I can have that faith, that assurance, that confidence that that anointing is there and available. You see? And if I, if I start thinking that way, knowing it doesn't matter what I feel. And like I said, the greatest miracle that I've experienced is when I didn't feel it, especially when I didn't feel anything. You know, I remember I was in Ethiopia. And I had preached all that morning. And I preached on the Holy Ghost. So at the end of the service, I called whoever wanted to receive the baptism. And of course, almost the whole church came. So it took a long time. You know, I ministered to them, prayed for them. And then at the end of the service, I mean, it is hot out there. You think, you think Florida is hot? Wait until you go to Africa. And it was hot. And I mean, I had preached for like two, two, three weeks nonstop. I was exhausted. I was tired. I was hot. I was hungry. My feet were aching. Don't look at me so holy. <laughs> and I'm at the end of the service, you know, and I'm, I pray for everybody. I went to the end. I mean, I didn't pray for the sick. I pray for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So it's the end of the service and the door, back door is open and I see the taxi. I see that little blue car waiting on me to go and take me back to where I stayed. And I see, and I'm like, okay, I pray for everybody, great. So I'm heading, I mean, I'm like hot, tired, achy, I'm heading, and I'm, I feel so spiritual, right? I'm he- heading right there to the door, and all of a sudden, that woman stops me, put her arm on me, and said, and I'm like, what is it? And then finally, you know, somebody helped me to understand that lady is totally deaf. Cannot hear from both ears. Totally deaf. And, 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 and that lady, so I, I understood that she had traveled for hours to come to the church because she heard somebody was going to pray for the sick. Oh and so right there she is. But let me tell you, I don't feel squat of anointing. I feel so unspiritual because I feel tired, achy, hungry, everything else you can imagine. And I'm thinking, my t- the temptation is like, I don't have anything else to give, Lord. You know, can I go home? But I knew, I said, uh-uh. At that moment, I understood that that lady had a need. And the lover said, no, I don't care how I feel. I know that anointing is still there in me, and it's available. Because God wants to heal everybody. God wants to bless. And so I said, you know, okay, let, come here. So I called her, and I tested her to find out how deaf she was. And I found out she couldn't hear anything. And now you say, how do you test? You put the person right here. Come here, Pastor Simone. I put her like this. And I said, okay, look at me. You're going to repeat what you hear. Jesus. She's not saying, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. I said, okay, she can't hear anything. Then I went and put my hands on her. And I said, in the name of Jesus, ears open. Open now in Jesus' name. I didn't scream. I didn't roll and foam at the mouth. I didn't do any, ah. I just went, in Jesus' name, ears, you open right now. And then I went back. And I said, okay, now, repeat after me. Okay? And I said, can you hear? She's like, so I said, repeat after me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then she starts repeating. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And by the end, I'm like, right over there. And she's still hearing. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Simone. You see, right there, I did not depend on, and especially we've got to fight against our feelings and our emotions. And with the moment you feel the less worthy, the moment you feel the, the most unable, or whatever it is, that's the moment you can step up and say, great. Because that means that I'm going to walk in greater faith. Yeah. You, you go, you allow yourself to release your faith at that moment by going against what you feel, what you see, what, you, what it tells you. Amen. And now, what about, you say, what about those that, you know, that don't get healed? Here is something I've discovered. So many times we've been so quick. We pray for the sick, you know, and here has been, I call it, you know, oftentimes a, a trap or a crutch. You know, we'll pray for the sick and then said, okay, God, no, you can go. God has healed you. You know, it's going to be get better. We, in, an, in a word, we kind of chicken out because we're afraid to put our neck on the line and check out how did you get healed? 
What's going on in your... Don't look at me so holy. But here it is, you know, by doing that, we are really self-preservation again. Afraid to smur or afraid to expose or to, to hurt our reputation. And what if the person doesn't get healed? What is it going to make me look like? Who cares? You know what I mean? And so it's in the moment, it's like we have got to step, to even step one step further and say to the person, okay, what's going on in your body? Do you feel anything? And if the person says, well, I feel a little better. You know, okay, from one to ten, how did you feel at the beginning? I always ask people, okay, show me what you could not do before, what you cannot do. You know, if they have a back problem, I say, show me what you cannot do. And they say, well, I cannot bend or I cannot whatever else. I said, okay. Then I pray for them. And then I said, okay, now do what you could not do before. Do what you could not do before. And so I have them go and start acting on their faith. And then I ask them. I don't just go and tell them, just go your merry way. Be filled and be warm. Hoping that something good's going to happen. No, no, no. I, I... Put my neck on the line, so to speak. Or I challenge my faith, saying, okay, I'm going to find that. I'm going to go to the end with that thing. Okay, how do you feel right now? You know, from 1 to 10, is it getting better? You know, and I check to, to see where people are. You know, but most of us, we've been told, well, praying more than once is unbelief. Mm-hmm. Jesus, did it. Jesus did it. But the motive... With which you do it, that's what's important. If you pray for somebody twice, thinking, well, he must not have worked the first time, let's do it again. That's the wrong motive. No, you see, you can, our faith knows that healing is always, always the will of God. So when I pray, I expect you to be healed. So I'm not going to give up until I get what Jesus died for. Jesus died to get you healed, so I'm not going to give up until he gets what he died for. He died for your healing. And so, you know, I have seen many times. I'll pray for somebody once. Just recently, probably a week or so or two weeks ago, I prayed for a lady who had a back problem, you know, and she couldn't. Her back was so stiff that she could only go that far. And she was in pain. And she had a sciatic nerve, you know. And so I prayed for her, laid hands on her, and commanded her back to be healed, commanding her nerve to be released. And then I said, okay, now do what you couldn't do before. And so she started, oh, she went like this. I said, okay, now go back, go a little. And it, you could, I could tell it was getting better. But I said, okay, now, how does it feel from 1 to 10? Is it better? She said, it's a little better. It used to be a 7, pain used to be a 7. Now it's like a 5. You know, I say, well, let's not just stop there. Because most of us said, well, something has happened. Go ahead. No, 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 no. We're going to go to the end. You know why? Because we know that we know that we know that we know that healing is always the will of God. And, you know, if you look at Jesus, sometimes we've just kind of, we've, we've compromised a little bit. But you see... Jesus, yes, they, 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 our experience has been that we've prayed for some people and sometimes it was progressive. People got healed as they went. Yes, but you know, like I said, I cannot base my theology on my experience. I've got to base my theology on what Jesus did. And you know, 95 or 99% of the time, you look at the Bible, he said that people were immediately healed. Or that something was happening. At least something was happening. Amen. And within the end of the day, they were totally healed. Didn't take months. It didn't take, you know what I mean? And so because that has been our experience, we, because what, here again, what you expect is what you're going to see and experience. If that's what you expect, that somebody is going to take them six months to get healed, then that's what you're going to see. But we've got to put our expector a little higher. We and you know, and, and I decided in my heart that I am not going to stop praying. When I pray for somebody, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray with them until I know they get a maximum of their manifestation. You know what I mean? You know, you've ever heard of John G. Lake? 
he had the healing room. You know that the, the, the healing technician were not allowed to go back home until people were healed. Doesn't matter how long it took them. It took them a few hours, a few days, a few weeks. They had to stick with it. And I think we need to get back to that. We get such in a hurry all of the time, you know. But I think it starts with our expector. To expect, to start to meditate and expect that God wants to heal people quickly, immediately. And you know, and so not long ago, let me go back to where I was. I was praying for that lady with the back. And it, take, it took me four times before she was totally healed. Amen. What if I had abandoned on the first time? Well, you're getting a little better. It's okay. No, 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 no. And we got to stick to it because we know that we know that we know. Faith is tenacious. And I know that healing is the will of God. Therefore, I'm not going to let it go. That's right. I'm going to stick to it until the person gets it. That's it. Yeah. Or at least they get, you know... 90, 80, 90 per whatever, you know, that you know that you know that, you know, within the next day or few days, they're going to get it all. You know what I mean? Yes. And so that, that is, and, and that's, that's so important for us to come to that place. And, you know, I mean, like Pastor Simon said, Jesus did it when he prayed for the blind man. He prayed for him twice. Not because he said, well, God, you didn't heal him the first time. No, no, no. Because he knew healing was the will of the Father. And if he didn't see it, you know, he was expecting to see it. So he wasn't going to give up. And that's what I think Jesus is looking for. When you look in Luke 18, you know, the, the unjust judge and the widow. You know, Jesus said, look at that, uh, 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 look at what the, the judge says. Here is a little widow who knows her right. Yes. And she's approaching the unjust judge, who, by the way, is not a picture of God. No. Uh-uh. And, and, and she approaches the judge and she said, I'm not leaving until I get what's mine. And then the judge, Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Lest she worries me by her continual coming, I will give it to her. You see, the continual coming is not that we ask again and again. No, it's that tenacious faith that I'm willing to stand as long as it takes to see the manifestation of what I came for. You know, and Jesus said, when the son of man comes back on the earth, will he find faith? That's what Jesus is looking for, for a people that will not easily give up. Because you see, once you and I, we know that we know that we know that it is always the will of God to heal everybody. And that God wants to use us, whether you're a grandmother or whether you have a business, or whether you are unemployed, or whether you're a teenager, or whether you're five years old, or whether fill in the blank, God wants to use, is enrolling everybody. Amen. And you know, people say, well, well, what do I have to do? Just start. Start somewhere. Be bold. Start somewhere. Anywhere, you know. And at the beginning, your, your, your knees might be shaking a little bit. You know, and what if they reject me? Well, what if they reject you? You know, you know what I mean? And, and to be willing to step out of yourself and say, you know, I am willing to show the love of God. And, you know, I, let, me, let me tell you that when you start doing that and you start seeing God use you for the kingdom of God, it's going to cha- change gonna your life. Change you. you won't be the same. You won't be the same. No. And you'll, when all of a sudden you realize that God is using me to change somebody's life, and you start living a life of supernatural. All of a sudden your life is taking a divine meaning. It's taking a supernatural. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know about you, but that's how I want to live. And I just don't want to do that behind the pulpit. My challenge is that I want to do that everywhere I go. Do I do it every time perfect? No. But I have not arrived, but I want to I leave. I have left. You know what I mean? And that's where for us to step out and say, you know, I have not arrived, but I'm willing to step out. I'm willing to start doing it. And you will never experience it. You will never. You can pray and intercede all you want to see signs and wonders, miracles. It will never, never happen until you are willing to step out and say, I'm just going to 
do it. And the, the line didn't come from Nike. The line didn't come from Nike. It came from God. Just do it. Just do it. So I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm giving myself a challenge. You know, whether, and here it is. At the beginning, you might not be bold enough to go and say, well, let me pray for you. But just, you know, ask somebody, you know, do you have any prayer need? Can I pray for you? You know, just make it your aim to love people. Not in a superior condemning attitude of I've got the truth, you don't because you're a No, 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 but in I'm here an emissary of love. How can I love you? What do you need? Let me care, help you carry your yes. grocery bag. Yes. Let me take your card and put it back. Jesus loves you. Or either it's just smiling at somebody, just sowing love, sowing love. And when, the more you sow love, the more you get, all of a sudden it's more blessed to give than to receive. And the more blessed you are, the more you want to give it out. Yes. How many of you are up for the challenge? Yes. You know, faith is when we get start getting out of our comfort zone. You know, walking by faith is when we said, it doesn't feel good, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Yeah. Hallelujah. How much time do we have, Pastor Simon? Wait till you're finished. Because, listen, you don't have a choice. And the reason you don't have a choice, I mean, you do, but think about it. You're going to see Jesus very soon. Yeah. We're going to see him face to face. Real soon. And he's going to say, did you do what I asked you to do? Did you do what I told you to do? Did you do what I commanded you to do? <coughs> well, Lord, I was sitting at the church waiting for somebody to tell me. Well, I sent Audrey. And she told you. <laughs> but here is the thing. It's, you know, it's not in a condemning way. And like, mm, it's like, why, you know, it's like fine seeing it as such a privilege. Yeah. To be involved in God's business. Amen. That God, I mean the creator of the universe, is inviting us to do miracles and walk in the supernatural. Yes. And once we engage, the hardest thing to do is to start. Like anything else. Exercise. I had to restart exercising the other day. Let me tell you, it was hard to tell my flesh, you're going to go and exercise. Ugh. But once you step and you do it, it gets a little easier. And then, and the first thing is to start doing it. And that's what I'm saying. Start doing it. Even if you don't, listen to me. You know, I heard somebody, you know, for me, I prayed for lots of people before I saw somebody healed. I heard somebody one time, uh, 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 a man, he saw hundreds of people raised from the dead. And a friend of mine, you know, asked him and said, what is your secret? What is it that you did to see so many people raised from the dead? You know what his answer was? He says, the first 200 people I prayed for never got healed and never got back to life. The first 200 people. But you know what? He was like that little widow. He knew he didn't give up. You see, that's tenacious faith. When you know that healing is always the will of God, you take on the challenge and you say, it doesn't matter if the first 500 people I pray for uh, don't get healed because that does not change the will of God. The will of God is God wants to heal everybody because that's his love language. He wants to love people. He wants to know that he cares, that he loves. He wants them well. He wants them blessed. He wants them whole. He wants them in relationship with him. And what better way to invite a sinner into relationship with God when we show them and tell them that God loved them he's not mad at them and let me show you why God is not mad at you because he's healing your body right now and all of a sudden you're going to start seeing yourself having words of knowledge going to somebody and said do you have a thyroid problem how did you know God just showed me can I pray for you do you know what I mean I don't want to live a statue quo kind of life. No. I don't want to go and say, well, let's just go from Sunday. No, I want to live. I want to manifest Jesus everywhere I go. And so I'm taking on that challenge. And I know you are. I, I, my prayer is that you may be inspired. And that you said, you know what? I want to step out in that. Amen. Glory to God. You know, recently, and I'll, I'll, I'll close with that. 
I, I, I heard a, a, a young man, a missionary, that he was in, in Uganda. He went into a school of young kids. And there were probably 300-some kids. And he, he told them about Jesus. He prayed for them. They received Jesus. And then you know what he did? He, t- he told them to lay hands on each other. Whoever was sick, those around were starting to heal. You know that those young kids that had been born again for like five minutes, there were miracles all over the room. Those young kids were healing all the kids. And I have seen that so many times. So it's not about how mature you are, how great you are, how well you pray, how powerful or how much you fasted. It's how God loves people and wants to manifest his love through you because he loves you so much, he wants you to do it. Not big mister on the podium, you know. No, no, just you at the grocery store. And so that means that we've got to learn to step out and even look a little ridiculous once in a while. Who cares? Look like a fool once in a while. Who cares? You know what I counsel myself with? I'm, I'm saying, you know, if I look like a fool for Jesus, then I mean that when I see him face to face, there will be a reward and a crown. I'm all for that. Amen. So let's just, in the name of Jesus, is there anybody here that needs healing? If you need healing in your body, I want you to raise your hand. Is there anybody here that you have, you've got some news from the doctor that you have a kneecap that you need like, you need like a knee replacement? Is there anybody here, you, you've heard you need a knee replacement? You, come down. Jesus got your name, your telephone number, and your address. Is there anybody else here? You've got kidney stone. You've got kidney stone. Anybody? Pain? Kidney stone. Was that a mistake or was that a... I want to raise my hand, but... You do have? Okay. An irregular... But do you have kidney stone? No. Irregular heartbeat. Well, come on over. Actually, no, just stand where you are. Come, brother. So no kidney stone in this place. Don't come at the end telling me I was the one with the kidney stone. Okay. Show me what you cannot do, what you could not do, what you cannot do. Can you kneel? No. <laughs> you cannot kneel. Can you walk fast and run? No. No. Okay. Not in yours. Not in yours. Oh, ho, ho, ha, 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 ha. You ready? Glory to God. Jesus wants that healing in you that is paid for. Amen. Amen. We're not going to let him do that in vain. That's the one here. Father, in the name of Jesus, knee be healed. I call that cartilage, those tendons to be healed, to be whole. Any pain, any discomfort, any deadness of the cartilage, right now you go, you stop in Jesus' name. Right now, healing anointing, go through that knee in Jesus' name. Then this... Would you do what I tell you to do? Let's just start walking fast. In Jesus' name. Can we go a little faster? Come on. In Jesus' name. Okay, let's just start kneeling. Oh, in Jesus' name. It's yours. Okay, let's get back up. Let's go back down. Yes, you are healed. Come on. Oh, hallelujah. Tell me what's happening in your knee. It's not hurting like it was. It's not hurting like it was. Okay, from 1 to 10, what would you say it was before? Before it was about an 8, now it's about a 5. Now it's about a 5, but we're not going to settle for a 5. We want more, right? Ready? In the name of Jesus, I command that knee right now to be whole, be healed in Jesus' name. Pain, you go. Discomfort, you go. I call for a, a tissues to be re- recreated, for the cartilage to be whole. No knee replacement, totally healed because Daddy God loves His Son. That's His, his little boy. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And you said you couldn't do that before. Uh oh, you couldn't do that before. Take that devil. Come on. Why don't you just go up and down the stairs? Come on. You healed. Come on back down. Do that a few times. 
knee, you are healed, you are whole in Jesus' name. Let's go and kneel again. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. We thank you. We thank you. Do it a couple more times for me. Hallelujah. I can tell you have faith because you did let go of my hand. So now, from one to ten, what do you say? Four. Four. Well, that's not enough. No, I know. Come on. I know. All the way. All the way. Uh-huh. No, but I command it to go in Jesus' name. I command it to go in Jesus' name. Go up and down the stairs a little bit. Hallelujah. Go up and down the stairs. Hallelujah.